Hi, I'm Nat B, and this is Season 4 of Memoria. Flash memoir adapted into bite-sized audio stories using sound effects and music. Each episode explores a moment in time that shaped a writer's life. The following story is called Danube Dreaming, and it is written and read by Pat Boxall. Here is Pat to tell us how he came to write Danube Dreaming. So this is a piece called Danube Dreaming, um, and I came to write this when I was in Budapest. Um, So I was working as a tour guide, and I've kind of worked traveling uh, around the world for about a decade or so. And this was a time when I've been working for about six weeks straight, and I finally had a day off and just got very, very sad about being away from home and kind of remembering all the things that made home so special for me. It's nice to have a reason to know what day it is. And I know that it's Wednesday because I'm in Budapest and it's my day off and tomorrow I travel to Split. And I know that it's Wednesday because this morning I woke up and sat up and I said to no one in particular, it's Wednesday and I'm in Budapest and I'm sad. So now I'm lying in bed and listening to the rain. The sky is grey and heavy. The rain is heavy and wet. Fat drops fall to the concrete like drip, drip, drip. I could be anywhere in the world, but I'm not. I'm in Budapest and the city is crying big, fat tears. The Danube is flowing and filling. The Danube is threatening to flood. I'm safe in my bed and I'm sad in my apartment and I don't know why. Of course, it's not Budapest's fault. As far as cities go, it's one of the best. The love child of Berlin and Vienna, they reckon. All culture and grandeur and grit. But none of it matters. Not the art, not the bars, not the buildings. Because even though I know what day it is, I have no reason to care. It's Budapest one day, split the next. Venice and Munich and Paris and Bruges. Vienna and Berlin and Stuttgart and Rome. It's the life of a tour guide. It's called living the dream. I'm living the dream. Repeat, I'm living the dream. Remember that Paul Kelly song? Every fucking city feels the same. He made me a curry once, you know. Paul Kelly, the singer. Australia's poet laureate. See, my friend Joel used to date PK's daughter. We were sitting at this pub in St Kilda when his phone rang. He picked it up and said, Hey Paul. I put down my drink and asked, Paul Kelly? He nodded and asked if I wanted to head over for dinner. So we did. Picture this. I ring the doorbell and Paul fucking Kelly opens the door. He looks at me, looks down at the coconut milk in my hands. He asks, is that for the curry? We talk conspiracy theories over dinner, then they all disappear. Paul goes to his study, the others head upstairs. So I'm drunk and alone in Paul Kelly's kitchen, and all I can think is who's going to make the gravy. Piano notes float down the hallway, so I stumble after them. I push the door open. Paul Kelly is sitting at Paul Kelly's piano. He's humming Paul Kelly's songs. So I sit and I stare and I listen for what feels like hours, and then I leave. I stand up and walk out, and I don't say bye. I just latch the door and walk into the night. I walk and I think about poor Kelly. I walk and I wonder what he thinks about me. But in Budapest, I know exactly what poor Kelly was thinking. 
Every fucking city feels the same. And to prove it, I get out of bed and walk through the rain to a place called My Little Melbourne. And it's here, perhaps unsurprisingly, that I realise how much I miss Melbourne. I've been so busy that I haven't thought about home, but this cafe, in Budapest's Jewish Quarter, could have been transported straight from Richmond. It could be any of the local spots, could be Lumberjack or Touchwood. I can almost hear the number 48 tram. Listen, it's rattling and shaking and screeching down Bridge Road. It's rumbling past the Melbourne cricket ground towards the city's lights and lanes. So I order a flat white and sit upstairs and look back down. The cafe sells beans from Ethiopia and Colombia and Burundi, wherever that is. The walls are decorated with hatchets and climbing ropes. There are backpacks slung on hooks, keep cups and bar and bait cookies. There are plants on steps and shelves, plants swaying from the ceiling. The baristas are blonde and beautiful. The baristas are bearded and tattooed. The baristas are pouring filtering cold brew with reckless abandon. And I wonder whether they have a reason to know what day it is. My barista back home was this woman named Bernie. She wanted to be a musician. She married young and was having problems. But one day she brought in her CD and gave it to me. I didn't have a CD player so I listened to it in the car with a friend. We parked in my street, put our seats right back and turned the music right up. The local sex worker, Jessica, stood under an orange light across the road like a guardian angel for hire. Then a car pulled up and she was gone. But we stayed and we listened again and again. We spoke about music in Melbourne and what we wanted to do. We spoke about music in Melbourne and what we weren't brave enough to do. When I first moved to Melbourne, I went to a different coffee shop. I can't remember its name. Can't remember the barista's name either. <laughs> but her laugh did more for me than caffeine ever could. She wanted to move to New York and study at this famous dance school, so that's what she did. She always spoke about it, and then one day she was just gone. But sometimes she dances back into my mind and I imagine her on stage. Look, she's dancing to the frenetic beat of the music. She's dancing to the thump, thump, thump of my heart. Dancing to the silent skips whenever I saw her smiling through that cafe window. So I watched the baristas in Budapest. I watched them froth their milk and roll their eyes. Watched them wipe the sweat from their foreheads. I watched them clear tables and take breaks. Watched them smile as they brush up against one another. I don't watch them sing and I don't watch them paint and I don't watch them dance, but maybe one day I will. Maybe one day I'll see my coffee queen dancing in New York City. I'll feel the thump, thump, thump of the beat and she'll feel it too. So this is what I'll do. I'll walk down Fifth Avenue and cross into Central Park, stretch out on the grass under the clearest blue skies. And I won't be sad because I'll have a reason to know what day it is. It's Wednesday, just before four in the afternoon. I'm watching her walk towards me and I know that this is true. Every fucking city feels the same, but man, sometimes people do too. favorite place to write is kind of i think any any library anywhere and i don't know this is weird but my uncle's flat in belfast um where i was kind of living at the start of this year in this dingy little apartment packed with boxes and files and papers and 
cousins. Um, I just found it really easy to write. There's a little kitchen table there overlooking a church. Um, so it's always a little special memory for me. Uh, but no rituals, except not being hungover. It's probably probably key to my creative creative endeavours. <laughs> uh, yeah, for 2020, um, I want to complete a manuscript of 50,000 good words and pitch it to publisher or an agent or possibly a fellowship. Um, I'm probably inspired most by a writer called Scott McClanahan. Uh, so he's an American writer from West Virginia and got quite big on the internet kind of self-publishing before uh, coming out with his own books with a publisher in New York. And I think he's quite cool because he struggled to write uh, novels for years. And then one day he said he sat down at his kitchen table and just wrote down every story that he tells his friends exactly how he tells it. And he just started bringing out book after book and... I think they're incredibly funny, but heartbreaking. Um, and yeah, he kind of dances between fiction and non-fiction and looks at a book as just another piece of art. Like he says that you wouldn't look at a painting and say, did this happen? And that's how he kind of treats his stories. Currently reading two books. I'm reading uh, Less, which won the Pulitzer for Fiction in 2018, and Wittgenstein's Mistress which is a novel by David Markson that is far too intelligent for me to understand. Um, I believe it's the literary manifestation of a complex mathematical philosophical problem. Um, And it's about a woman at the end of the world, but you don't know if it's actually the end of the world or she's just completely nuts. And it kind of digresses all over the world. Um, for no apparent reason. So I'm looking forward to getting through that. <laughs> Memoria was written and produced by me, Nat V. Danube Dreaming was written and read by Pat Boxall. Each episode is illustrated by Peter Manning. The story segment was edited by Jen Farrow. Music in this episode is by The Blue Dot Sessions. Memoria comes to you each month. You can listen to our previous episodes or see a schedule of our upcoming episodes on memoriapodcast.com. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any good podcasting platform. Until next time.